we finished uh, our study on Mark uh, last week. The first week uh, we looked at first eight chapters and then we saw the powerful image of uh, Jesus uh, going around uh, several places uh, and then 40 different scenes uh, we saw. Uh, Mark's uh, nickname uh, was uh, Lion. It's like Lion roaming through the whole area, preaching the gospel, healing, uh, uh, exercising demons. And it's a wonderful image of Jesus uh, we saw in the first week. And second week, seen totally changed, <clears throat> radically changed. Jesus did not go around anywhere. Just one road, narrow road, that was a road to Jerusalem. Uh, and that was where the cross was. On the road, Jesus three times talks about his suffering, rejection, and three times, every time, disciples were doing something else. They are totally ignorant of what Jesus was doing. So that road was a very, very lonely uh, road uh, to the cross. And then in this, uh, through the second chapter, the mark beautifully described what it means to be the Son of God. And baptism and the cross are the two bookends. And the Son of God at that time, whenever they hear the word Son of God, they were thinking about the emperors, most powerful figure. But this Son of God, totally different Son of God, Mark presented. Beautiful image of being a servant. The true purpose of life is to serve. Don't try to save your life. You'll lose it. Don't try to be first. Be the last. Don't rule over other people. Be their servant. That's how we human beings are supposed to live. That's how humanity is supposed to survive. It's a beautiful image of servanthood. Totally different image of ideal image. Totally different. Uh, so it is just so amazing how uh, in that environment, Mark was able to portray that kind of Jesus. Of course, Mark learned from Jesus, but he understood correctly. And then he portrayed uh, that kind of... Anybody there? So life goal, so your life goal, Christians, uh, 
we disciples, the followers of Jesus, life goes nothing else. Be successful, making money, you know, uh, reveal your fame. No, no. Those are not what we are after. Pursuing servanthood. How can we be a servant, a servant in our lives? Purely serving others. Sometimes we get rejected. Sometimes we get uh, criticized. Sometimes we have a hard time. But ultimate goal is not to be served. But the ultimate goal is to serve. And a mark can be summarized in this one passage, 1045. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the purpose of our living. You can be a fool. You can be stupid. You can be whatever. But if you live a life of serving others, you live according to what Jesus wants. You lived good life if you are able to live that kind of uh, living. That's what Mark teaches us and taught us. Last week after Bible study, John Chung came to me and then uh, told me, Moksanin, uh, that I don't see much of loving image of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And that is true. You don't see loving image of Jesus. Jesus' love was expressed in serving. That was his love. His love was not sentimental love. His love was not being kind and nice and warm and fuzzy. It wasn't that kind of love. Jesus' idea of love was to serve, to wash the feet of others and that was uh, uh, Jesus' love. And that is what is seen. Being a servant, going through suffering and hardship, and yet continuously follow Jesus. That's what disciples were supposed to do. And they did it in the end. And now I know the Gospel of Mark was written in Rome. When this Gospel was written, there was a persecution by Nero. He blamed Christians for putting up the fire in Roman city when he himself did it. And then he persecuted Christians. And then every day their, their uh, brothers and sisters were dying and going through suffering. And to them, Mark was telling them, Jesus went through the same thing. So don't get discouraged. Follow Jesus. Footstep. That's Mark's message. I think it's a beautiful book. I love Mark. I really fell in love with Mark again more. Uh, this time. So Mark is just incredible book. Uh, when you uh, read it, very fast paced and all that.
Now we are going to look at Matthew today. As Simon said, longer than Mark, 28 chapters as opposed to 16 chapters, 18,300 words in Matthew, and in Mark, 11,300 words. So about one and a half times uh, longer. Style is very different. It's just, while I was studying it, I was just so amazed. As Simon said, 80%, 90% of the material, he was using it, and yet totally different message. So what is important here is not, is what image does each gospel portray? So first Mark, uh, that's a suffering servant image uh, was portrayed. Through Matthew, we have to understand what kind of image. Uh, we are not going to study each verse or we are not going to study every verse. Just we want to get a picture of who Jesus was in their eyes. Uh, what did they portray about uh, Jesus? That's what we are going to uh, study. Uh, so, some stories are uh, uh, in Matthew and Luke, but not in Mark. So they got somewhere else, but they both share the same story. Mark, uh, Matthew and Luke, but it's not in Mark. And some stories, it's not in Mark, it's not in Luke. Only Matthew has it. But very uh, small amount. For example, birth story, only in Matthew. There's no other, uh, of course, Luke has a birth story too, but totally different. Uh, because you're so, um, at Christmas time, you hear uh, Christmas story all the time. So you don't even know whether it is from Mark, or is it from Matthew or Luke. You're just all jumbled together, so you don't know. But Ma Matthew's story and Luke's story is radically different, totally different story. That is only uh, in Matthew. And the way Mark was writing his book, uh, was like a storyteller. He's a kind of novelist, storyteller. So he's just makes drama. He just creates creatively, uh, creates the plot. There's a plot and all that. Matthew, I had a hard time understanding the uh, structure. So I really, I mean, there are some, uh, say, uh, they say uh, structure and that there are certain things that, that I mean, it's too complicated. Too complex for you, uh, so uh, I decide not to uh, talk about that. But in Matthew, it's like a journalist writing uh, the, the things. So it's like a reporter uh, reporting uh, the situation. That's why in certain early church community, uh, they used uh, Matthew as their curriculum. So it's a very well organized parable together and the discourses together and the things like very well organized but there's no kind of plot in mark there's a plot there's a development there's a climax uh, at the climax to be we ask ourselves who who do you say that I am who is this man that was constantly from the beginning and then uh, resolved 
at the end at the cross by the confession of a centurion. So, th so there's a story. It's like a, a creative writing. Uh, but Matthew is a, a very different uh, style. Matthew, uh, we think that he's uh, one of the 12 disciples, uh, tax collector. Uh, and in Matthew's community, uh, probably was mostly Jewish people, Jewish, uh, Hebrew-speaking Jewish people, Aramaic-speaking Jewish people. Uh, so he was a, a more of Jew uh, than anybody. Mark was uh, wrote this in Rome, so a lot of uh, audiences were kind of Gentiles, and then you know outside. But uh, this uh, was mostly uh, for the Jewish people. But uh, interestingly, uh, you will see a lot of Old Testament quotation in uh, Matthew, but all these uh, Old Testament quotations were from Septuagint. Uh, Septuagint, uh, uh, let me explain, that uh, the, the, the Bible uh, at that time was only uh, the Old Testament. That's the only Bible they had. And then uh, Old Testament was written in Hebrew. But there were diaspora. Diasporas are the Jews who live not in Israel, but uh, everywhere else, uh, Greek world. Uh, so there were second generation, or third generation, and there are a lot of Jews living who, who don't speak Aramaic or uh, Hebrew. So for them, uh, they translated Hebrew Bible into uh, Greek. That Greek Bible, uh, come on in. I saw you today. Where's Steve? I looked around and no one. So I have to start from the beginning. <laughs> He's genius, so. So the, the, the Greek uh, Old Testament is called Septuagint. But he the Matthew used most uh, Old Testament quotation not from Septuagint, from Hebrew Bible, so original Hebrew Bible. So, but he was writing in uh, Greek, his uh, book in Greek. So he was versatile, both in Hebrew and Greek. So it's like our congregation, where English speaking and Korean speaking are both present. And then uh, probably uh, the Jewish community, the Matthew's communities are mostly Jewish, but uh, there are also some Greek-speaking people too. And uh, Matthew was very well educated. He was able to uh, uh, converse in both languages. Uh, Matthew's focus is this. We are the true Israelites. That's what he's saying. We are the true Israel. At that time, Christians were minority. They called themselves the way. They didn't call themselves Christians. The people called them the way. It was like a Jewish sect. There was no such thing as Christianity yet. So Jewish sect is called the way. They gathered together, uh, Messianic Jews. They believed that Jesus was Messiah. 
Nobody else believed. Well, they, they were the ones who believed that Jesus was Messiah, and uh, those who uh, uh, believed that Jesus was Messiah was called uh, the way. So, but in the Old Testament, Isaiah, when you look at it, there were Jews, but a lot of them went astray. And, but there were some left, and those people who were left were called remnant. And these remnants are the ones who are going to carry on uh, God's uh, work. Not that all Jews, but these remnants are the ones who will carry on. So when you look at Isaiah's theology, the tree was cut off. But from the stump, there's a little uh, branch coming out. And those are remnant. And they are going to carry on. And Matthew is saying that we are the remnants. Who carry on what God started. That's why there are a lot of Old Testament uh, quotations. So, it's very different from Mark. Under uh, the way Mark approaches uh, this uh, Jesus is very different from uh, uh, Matthew. Matthew begins like this: On account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's how he begins. The son of Abraham. Ma uh, Mark didn't say that, but Matthew starts with son of Abraham. In uh, Luke, there's a genealogy too. When you look at ge uh, Luke's genealogy, it doesn't stop at uh, Abraham. Luke goes all the way back to Adam, the beginning of humanity. But Matthew goes only up to Abraham. So starting from Abraham. Mark doesn't have genealogy. Why? Because he portrays Jesus as a suffering servant. Servant doesn't have genealogy. Servant doesn't need genealogy. That's why Mark doesn't even bother to put genealogy uh, in his book. Because he's describing servant. Who is Abraham? Who is Abraham? Anybody? He's the father of three religions. Yeah. He's a beginning of Israel. Uh, from Abram, from his uh, children, the Israel uh, became. And then when man is saying that he's son of Abraham, Jesus is beginning of the new Israel. New world. It begins with the chosen people, but does not end there. So, we are chosen people, but it embraces everybody. This chosenness is, is not really ethnic bloodline anymore. Through faith, 
that we are supposed to reach out to everyone. But that was what God intended right from the beginning. When God called Abraham, what God wanted Abraham to do was, you're chosen not just so that you may be blessed, but so that you may, have, uh, you may be a channel of blessing. Through you, you may, uh, the other people may be blessed. So chosenness is not for yourself. Chosenness is for other people. You're chosen to give that blessing, but I will bless you first. But with that blessing, you have to bless others. That's why you are chosen. That's the idea. So when you, let us go back to Abraham. When you look at Abraham, now the Lord said to uh, Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was God's purpose right from the beginning. Through you, all the nations may be blessed. Chosenness is not about just you. It's about blessing others. That is the idea of blessing. And it, the true Israel concerns with the whole world. And that vision comes out of uh, I mean, uh, that was God's vision when he called Abraham. But Israelites did not live like that. They, they just became a re reservoir of blessings rather than channel of blessing. They didn't hand out those blessings. They just uh, did not do enough of that. That's why Matthew is saying, God sent Messiah to restore the original purpose that God had in mind when he called Abraham, when he started Israel. And that vision is the ultimate purpose uh, of Matthew. So when you look at last verse of Matthew, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So at the end, Matthew's conclusion is this. You are true Israel. Now live like true Israel. Go out and bless all other nations. And you are called to do so. So Jesus was very much, uh, was the one who restored the Abraham, Abrahamic uh, vision. What God had in mind for Abraham. So true Israel's real purpose 
will be restored uh, through Jesus. Very different from Mark's Jesus. Mark's Jesus was servant, suffering, and all that. But Matthew's Jesus is a, you are the true Israel. You are the son of Abraham. And then you have begun this uh, new, uh, new work uh, uh, for the whole world. It's very different. Same, 90% of content is the same, but somehow the message is very different. So you uh, see the contrast between uh, Mark and Matthew. So I want you to uh, have a discussion together uh, now. Uh, uh, first, share the blessings you recognize in your life. How important it is to share your blessings and how can we do that? So I want you to uh, have a discussion. I'll give you about 15 minutes uh, until 8 o'clock. God wanted to really uh, bless uh, Israel. I mean, God really did bless Israel. Israel was a very small country. But in, the, in their history, they made a mistake of looking too internally inwardly. They didn't really look outside. And then Paul describes this, uh, Paul describes this in a different way. He gives this image, image of cup. Uh, there's a cup. What God wanted uh, uh, to do was, God gave this cup to Israelite. That's a blessing, uh, a cup, a chosenness, and then pour the blessings upon it. So it can overflow to others. That was God's original purpose. But somehow, it didn't overflow. It's half empty, half full. And it continuously half full. Blessing is like that. When you use it only for yourself, it can be only half full. The true blessing is always overflowing. The really generous people, it's not because they have lots of money. But they have this attitude of overflowing that. So they always go beyond that. And then so when you're selfish and uh, think, thinking about yourself, no matter how much money you have, you're only half full. Uh, it, doesn't, it, doesn't go, it doesn't reach. Uh, and the Israelites, even though God blessed them so much, they was only half full. It didn't overflow. So God tipped it over so that this blessing can flow to others. Instead of overflowing it, God tipped it over so that uh, blessings may flow to others. That, that's Paul's understanding uh, uh, of uh, Israelites at that time. Let me read it for you. So I ask, have they stumbled? That stumble is, is tipped it over. Stumble so as to fall? By no means, but through their stumbling, salvation has come to the Gentiles, 
so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their stumbling means riches for the world, and if their defeat means riches for uh, Gentiles, how much more their full inclusion mean? So that's how uh, St. Paul saw that. And then Matthew saw Jesus uh, coming in that way. Jesus, the half full kind of, so it's a similar to Paul's idea, half full Israel. Jesus came to restore true Israel. And this true is Israel is not through blood relationship. It's not anymore blood identity. It is ide spiritual identity that is achieved through faith. So it's not anymore racial, ethnic identity. It's a spiritual identity. So Abram's child is not necessarily bloodline of Abraham, but more uh, through faith. And uh, from the beginning, we can see that uh, uh, Saint John, uh, John the Baptist's uh, uh, wording. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even stones will become uh, children of Abraham. So uh, uh, the, the John the Baptist is saying that, so it's Matthew putting that uh, there, uh, putting that story. So when you look at also genealogy, it's a very uh, strange genealogy. First, women are involved, uh, included. At that time, women were not included in genealogy, only men. Uh, and also, uh, not only these are women, but four Gentile women. Not bloodline of uh, Jews, not Israel. For example, uh, Tamar, I don't know exactly where she came from, but Rahab is a Canaanite, Ruth, Moabite, and Bathsheba, Hittite. So they were Gentiles, and these Gentile people, women, were included in genealogy. What does that mean? What, what is Matthew trying to say in this genealogy? Okay, uh, so the more act. Uh, uh, <laughs> what is he trying to say? Even in the Yeah, what Matthew is saying, look at our own history. Within our history, there are people who are not part of our na uh, nation, but yet they were uh, uh, Israelites. They, they were the ones who uh, uh, the, the, uh, made Jesus possible. And, uh, so the, the, what Matthew is saying, already in our own genealogy, they were Gentiles. And so it's not just by purely by the blood, but through faith. In the birth story, when you look at birth story, uh, who came first and uh, worshiped uh, the baby Jesus? Uh, shepherd in the field? That's Luke. 
Three wise men. One or the other. <laughs> yeah. Three wise men. They were Gentiles. <laughs> Just watch, I gotta throw. <laughs> uh, yeah. They were Persians. So let me read it for you. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. How much the baby? The language, look at the language. They knelt down and paid homage, almost like a worship, like a king. Uh, it's kind of respect. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, Jesus did not just come from the sky, but through the history of Israel, Jesus came. We can see why he was focused on Joseph. When you look at Matthew's uh, birth story, it's all about Joseph. When you look at Luke's uh, birth story, it's all about Mary. It's so Mary going to Elizabeth, and Mary has uh, a song, and Mary, Mary, Mary. Uh, dream Mary, uh, the, the angel appeared to uh, Mary, and uh, Mary decide, and uh, all that is uh, Mary. But in, in Matthew, it's all about Joseph. Sleeping time? <laughs> <laughs> In Matthew, it's all about uh, Joseph. Let me read it for you. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly but just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The focus is Joseph. The angel appeared in, uh, to Joseph, and Joseph decides that. When you look at next one, when Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. It is Joseph who does it. And next one. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt. Joseph. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said. And then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. So it's all about Joseph. I mean, do you think it's by accident? No, it's intentional. Matthew was writing it, even though he copied uh, Mark. He here he was very intentionally focused on Joseph because Joseph is David's line in history. That Jesus is not really out of uh, the sky. He's from that that genealogy, from that uh, the, the the history that uh, uh, Jesus uh, came. Matthew is very much Jewish uh, in that way. So 
uh, I'm going to take a break a little bit, and then uh, we'll uh, study uh, the really key uh, concept uh, in Matthew. Bible study is not easy uh, because uh, if you uh, are if you know uh, the scripture pretty well, then this uh, Bible study will make sense a little bit. But if you don't know the scripture very well, it's a kind of another level uh, of uh, because you have to really know the scripture very well, and so it's not uh, one of those where you can come and then the one verse and then. Uh, explain and all that. It says it is a whole Matthew. Uh, so very. So especially if you didn't read it, uh, it's a kind of very difficult uh, to understand. But anyway, uh, we'll try our best to summarize. In Matthew, the important word is fulfillment. That is uh, important word. Things did not happen in vacuum. They are not accidents. But everything happens in God's providence. And God's promises being fulfilled. That's Matthew's understanding. Jesus coming and what Jesus said, what Jesus did, what people did to Jesus is all in the Old Testament. It is just coming out into real action. So word fulfillment is very important. So Abram's vision is fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus is a finality. Jesus is a fulfillment of what God has begun. That is kind of uh, idea. That's why when you look at it, this word fulfilled is very much uh, present in Matthew. Let me read it for you. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So even birth is what God has promised before is being fulfilled. And remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. So some people criticize Matthew, saying that, oh, he just put anything uh, with the Old Testament. But that, that was so important to Matthew, that what is happening is connected with the Old Promises, Old Testament. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called Nazarene. So that which what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in the darkness, have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. 
everything is the same word phrase repeated over and over again. That evening they brought to him many who were possessed by demons and he cast out the spirits with the word and cured all who were sick. I mean, Jesus' ministry, this was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. Same pattern. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt, the fall of a donkey. Even Judas' betrayal is already is a fulfillment. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one on whom a price had been set, on whom some of the people of Israel had set a price. And they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. Nothing happens randomly. Everything happens in God's plan. Our life too. Nothing happens accidentally. What you're going through, there may be, uh, there is certain theme in your life. You cannot just see things in isolation. The dots are connected. And what are things that connect the dots? Don't just react uh, to what's happening uh, right now. See the bigger picture. Life has a flow. What is that flow in your life? And then this flow from the past, present to the future, connected. What is that flow in your life? Do we see that? Or are we just reacting what's happening uh, every day without thinking about it? I think that knowing that flow is very helpful to live, uh, to make good decisions, wise decisions, and to have better attitude towards what's happening in our lives. Last Sunday, uh, I had a hiking, uh, and it was good. I walked about 17,000 steps, and that's great. And, but when I went up, I was just looking at that sign and then looking at the trees and then steps uh, so that I don't fall. And I, get, I went to the top and then uh, the guide uh, told, 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 showed me the map. This is where we are. And now we are going this way. And I have, after knowing that road, oh, it, was, it was much easier. I could see the whole picture. So don't just look at the trees and woods. Look at the forest once in a while in your life as a whole. What is the flow? What is the theme that is happening in my life? And how do I uh, respond uh, to that? I think knowing that is very important in your life. And Matthew saw that Jesus coming was not accident. In God's plan, Jesus finally came to fulfill what God has started. God who began a good work will bring it to completion in, the, in, the, uh, in Jesus, uh, Christ's time. That's what St. Paul said. Very similar. That 
what God has begun in you, uh, that uh, God is going to uh, finish it uh, in His time. Uh, you're at that age to think about what is a flow and how I'm, am I going to end my life uh, in a way. So th that is something that we need to seriously uh, think about. And some of you are thinking of retiring, and some of you are thinking of already quit the job, and some of you are uh, uh, thinking a lot of things. Then where am, am I going? What is, what is the flow? And Matthew is very clear about uh, fulfillment. What is it that God wants to fulfill through your life? Uh, what is that thing? So, uh, it is important to uh, think about it. So, I will give you an opportunity to share with each other. Do you think there is a flow in life? To connect us, what should we do? Or what attitude should we have? So, I want you to uh, share together. So, so pick up certain themes in your life right now. What is a theme? that is going on right now uh, in your life. Okay? Yeah. Quarter two, by quarter two. How to end life. <laughs> I mean, you're all over 50. Not well, not, not all. Except maybe you. One. I mean, when you're before 50, you gotta work and then you gotta uh, make a living and all. You're busy. But when you're over, over 50, uh, especially when you're at retirement age, you're close to retirement age, then, okay, that is the end stage. Oh, wow. Why is it depressed? But depressing. Does it have to be depressed? No. Uh, depressing, right? I mean, end stage is a good. Uh, not beginning necessarily, end. <laughs> you end well, right? Uh, it's time to really, really uh, flourish. Uh, live like real life. Don't you think? Instead of just being busy, real life, live. You live real life, right? Whether it's uh, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, or uh, even 40 years. Well, real life, uh, just living it. Isn't it amazing? A good opportunity? You're still healthy. Uh, you're still walk around. <laughs> uh, we didn't share that part, but we did share about... Uh, you know, that it is the last third of your life, maybe, that you're looking at. But it is about no longer putting your head down and just following a simple path and being kind of dumb-witted. That's right. It, it is about choices you make and what your heart calls you to do and what your 
brain wants to do. So you have to get out of the, I'll put my head down and do what uh, the world tells me to do or humans expect me to do. It's more about what your heart calls you to do. And certainly part of it is about, it has to be something that's meaningful to you. That's right. And if you don't make that happen, you're gonna regret it, right? That's right. So that, that's very important. So it, it's scary but exciting too. Yeah. Um, but the other part is this whole idea of health. I have now so many friends that tell me, I only want to live till I'm healthy and can walk. <laughs> and I, I only, you know, when, uh, God forbid, if, if I get sick like my parents, I want someone to kill me. Like, like I had a lot of friends say that to me. And I, I, I must disagree in a way, because uh, who are we to say what is the quality of life when I mean, I've seen all my parents, I mean, intimately go through many different ways of dying and, and the last days of their lives. It, meaning is different to different people. Mm -hmm. And to say that we, okay, maybe you don't want that right now, but I guarantee you might change your mind later, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that that's one area, I think, and I think, um, we all have to keep an open mind about what the quality of our lives will be like at that time. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I'd like to hear is, Sana was saying that you were working with uh, the KSM congregation, mm -hmm. and they're more elderly, and they're very reflective of their lives now, and they're thinking, and there's a lot of emotion and tears. Um, I think it would help us to understand what they are thinking what their regrets, what their celebrations are, I think it would help the whole community understand. It gives us food for thought, because I think to just each of us think on our own might be, um, we all might have our own ideas, but you know those uh, stories they have, Mm. I think that would be helpful. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you really point out a very important thing. Uh, what is important at the uh, uh, you know, uh, third stage or whatever is uh, to know what is meaningful to me, to know that. Uh, you're too old to please other people anymore. You're too old for that. You're too old to be patient with the BS. Uh, Any moment, right? You're too old for that. I mean, uh, uh, all the, uh, I've had enough. Oh yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> My way. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, the, you know, when you're younger, you, know, you do a lot of that, but uh, you don't want to do that anymore. When you're older, uh, you know, that doesn't really make me do anything. Uh, what is meaningful to me? But a lot of times, uh, it's hard to know what is meaningful to me. And then what is the fulfillment that I want uh, really, I mean, life has to be uh, fulfilling. 
uh, otherwise why live? Uh, we are not animals, so just eating and uh, doing it and enjoying it. No, there has to be some kind of fulfillment in life. What is that fulfills me? Uh, or fulfills what God had in uh, me? Uh, finding that. I, I think these uh, important searches we need to seriously do. Uh, we cannot, we don't, I mean, we don't have much of luxury of time. So we need to really uh, think about it and, and, and do it. And another thing, you mentioned about KSM, but I share with KSM members. You know, you have to remember when you get older, not only your body gets uh, weak, your mind gets weak. You become very strange. <laughs> I told them. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you, you look totally uh, unreasonable, stubborn, narrow-minded. You go just go all the way. Uh, you're uh, in your own way. You don't think about others. You become more selfish than before. You wanna end your life that way? You start well. And then in the end, you're just cranky old man or woman uh, you want to become. You don't want to do that. I mean, just because you, are, you experience more, that doesn't mean that you become wiser. No, that's not true. Just because you have experienced more, that doesn't make you wiser. It is a very spiritual process. Aging is very spiritual. It's not... Uh, chronological or biological. Biological, you, you become weak. Biological, you deteriorate. Not only uh, body deteriorates, but biological nerves and biological mind. These all deteriorate. You become strange people. That's why St. Paul said, I am <laughs> Deteriorate. Deteriorate. <laughs> mind. Outer nature. Mm, wasting uh, away. Wasting away. But inner nature is getting renewed all the time. He's a spiritual man. That's why he recognized that everything else will, will deteriorate, but my spirit will come alive stronger than ever before. That is true aging. That's a spiritual aging. And at your age, you have to really think about how am I going to age? And what really fulfills me? If, if you're still going for selfish, Go! Oh, that's too bad. It is a shisha life you are going to end with. And then lot of, with a lot of regrets you die. With a lot of regrets. We have to go all the way uh, to the goal, St. Paul said. Straining forward what is ahead towards the goal. And that, that's what Jesus Christ came for, to fulfill what God has started. Jesus gives a fulfillment. Matthew saw that. 
and then we have to uh, live out that. How about other people? Other people? I think James has a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> So when you look at genius, we'll look at it next week. Genius, three sections. From Abraham to David, David to Babylon, and Babylon to Jesus. So last stage. So it's almost like he's saying that it's a last age. So she had that vision that uh, everything that is happening uh, will uh, come into fruition and fulfillment through Jesus Christ. I think with Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, your life will uh, be fulfilled. You will experience that fulfillment uh, in your life. And your best life that you will ever have. Yeah. That's what I'd like to see uh, in all of you. Yeah. Okay. That's it for today. So. Let's pray. I mean, just, 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 just.